It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with two former Major League Baseball All-Stars, Dimitri Young, who's not here, Jason Kindle, who's off with his anniversary wife. Congratulations, guys, for making it. One four-time Stanley Cup champion in Darren McCarty, a rock star in Lars Fredrickson, and a former X-Division champion in Petey Williams. Guys, it's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. What's up? Dennis, Darren, how's she going, eh? She's going great, eh? You know, you <laughs> hoser. You're a beauty, Petey. You're a freaking beauty, bro. There, you go. there we go. We have a <laughs> jam-packed show. I pulled up CBS's year in review or year in wrestling awards. I want to go through those with you guys today. We're gonna have we're doing a kind of a, a quasi Facebook live, so we're gonna have comments from fans who are watching. We've got a t- like I said, a ton of stuff. Let's start, Pete, with your hometown and impact. Uh, the big things coming out, but here's something that the internet's been buzzing about is Ethan Page. His contract is up. Is he staying? Is he going? What's that mean for the North and Josh Alexander? And I'll, I'll be honest right now. I, I hope Josh Alexander goes forward as a singles wrestler. Yeah. So Josh, uh, I've always been a big fan of Josh. Um, obviously Ethan's the talker, even though uh, Josh can talk. He's the the charisma of the group, the kind of the creativity behind it. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to leave. If he leaves, uh, and even if he stays and they break up, whatever, Josh can really be uh, a standout single star. Like, I really believe it. I Even before he came to Impact, I'm like, this guy's got it. Uh, I've, I've, I've worked with him many times before. Um, he's just, he's awesome. He's got the mind for it and stuff. And, uh he could definitely be a breakout star. As for Ethan Page leaving, I mean, if he leaves, he leaves. Uh, the one thing I remember uh, some years ago, you know, Tommy Dreamer, he he analyzed and kind of compared current impact to ECW, old school. Not not so much the wrestling side of it, but that, you know, yeah, WWE, WCW, and then ECW. ECW was the land of misfits. That's the way he, he looked at it. Like, Anybody that got cut from WWE or WCW or they couldn't make the cut there, they went to ECW and they strived and like they were big, big stars. The same thing with Impact. It's a lot of people you've never heard of them before, like on a a national level, like the Rascals and stuff like that. And they go on to sign with WWE, like even Ethan Page, he's made a name for himself in Impact. Yeah, Impact's the, the, the land of misfits, but they're the ones that shine there and they have the opportunity to. And then they go on. And then when somebody goes on, guess what? There's somebody else right behind uh, waiting for their spot. I think that that's a good point, Petey. And I think that, you know, you and I have talked about this before, is that the, the to me, the landscape of wrestling has changed. We're now, you know, it, it's sort of like the appreciation factor. And you see with the Bullet Club and, you know, you, all the different guys are in different factions, but sort of pulling it together because here's the one thing that I always say, and, you know, people revert it back to culture. You know, you look at the Detroit Red Wings right now, looking at the top, who's pulling the strings, Steve Eisenman. We know what he's all about. You look at the guys at the top who are pulling the strings. Now, obviously, to me, as a wrestling fan, the WWE is always a dictatorship. 
you know, because anytime anything's fully scripted or you have to go on script or you're, you're, you're just a pawn in their game. What, what ECW back in the day, you know, with the RVDs, the Tommy Dreamers, the Sabus, the, you were going to get, you know, the crazy, they, they, they didn't care. It was like, it was, it wasn't any, anything like that, but what you get now is what you talk about that appreciation, that development where guys go, Hey, you know what? I see where I got a chance and an opportunity. You know what? I'll remember that because they, they allowed that, you know, the WWE, everybody goes there for the money. That's all the things. It's, it's the, it's the cash push. And if you're going to get the push, then that's the easiest way to get in front of millions and millions of people. At least that's the way it used to be. You look at the tides are turning now with, you know, the, now it used to be the, the wars of uh, WCW and WWE. No, no, no. NXT AEW now, right on Wednesday night. No one's talking the garbage on Monday and Raw. Um, SmackDown's better, but it's like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And the fact that AEW is talking about releasing another show or there's more on TV. Well, everything's moving forward. And the fact that they made money in their first year, yeah. you know, and resaw it, that's, that tells you, like in the COVID year, I don't know if in another year where you don't have people looking for that entertainment or people like myself that are going back in and re-loving wrestling again and doing it the right <laughs> way. So I think there's all opportunity and it's great to hear the behind the scenes. I always like to know who's good and who's not because that'll determine, you know, the pure intentions who will, who will be successful to me. Ian says, yeah. Alexander appears to be packaged as a second coming of Killer Cross. Hopefully they'll have him shred his headgear and make him more of an incredible, uh, invincible looking character. Who, who is that? Who would they reference? Ale- Josh, Josh Alexander. Alexander. I don't know. I think I, the headgear kind of makes him who he is, right? Yeah. So I remember, um, I, I wrestled Josh uh, many years ago for the first time in, uh, Toronto. It was actually for, uh, Ethan Page's company. Um, but then I I saw him at a ring of honor show. Dennis, you might've been there with me. Uh, I I was retired at the time. We just, I think went to just hang out or whatever. Was that the first time we met Cody? Yeah. 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 And then Josh Alexander was on the show. Bully Ray scared the piss out of me. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. Remember, he's like, you look like someone I know. I'm like, I don't know you, sir. He's like, yo, I think I know you. Who, who, how do I know you? I'm like, I, I, you don't know me. I'm like, Pete, he's like, you're, he's good. He's good, bub. Yeah, Dennis, he's, he's good people. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So you got to pass. You're lucky you were with me. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, with Josh, he was on that Ring of Honor show. Nobody knew who he was yet. And uh, I remember he was so good in the ring and people didn't even know his name. And they just started chanting headgear, like, let's go headgear. And they kept doing that. And then the other part, they were like the, the no name people against the, uh, I can't remember who they were, who they were wrestling, but the people in the match were getting upset. Cause they were like, you know, tag and headgear. And that was this thing. So you're right, Dennis, like the headgear, I think he should keep, nobody does the headgear anymore. Um, and I, I don't know if he needs it, but I, I wouldn't say he's like Killer Cross. Killer Cross is like a totally different character. I mean, if you look at Killer Cross, he's very, I don't want to say demonic, but he's very dark. And methodical. his presence is like, yeah, very methodical, but uh, not boring methodical, exciting methodical. Uh, Josh Alexander, he's more of a, um, I'm just going to kick Steph. your ass. Like, I, I don't care. 
You know what I mean? So um, I, I don't see that similarity. Um, maybe he's just looking at the looks like, Hey, if you take off the headgear, they both have a shaved head and uh, you know, are built whatever, but I don't think they're anything alike. Here's my, here's what I think. Change the color of the headgear from oh, red yeah. to, to black or make it different. Like it, because you get the same thing because like you said, when it's almost like a, a tagline, right? you know what I mean? Like guys are always looking for taglines or, you know, whatever else, like that is his thing, right? You said it, you can, so maybe he changes it to black or maybe he changes it to something else where it shows you he's on his own, like lone wolf or something like that. But, you know, it, it's great to hear like technically and stuff like, like he's more, to me, he's more of a Kurt Angle than he is, yeah. than he is a killer cross. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a tactician. He's like, he's got old school, FTR, like he's got that. He can play it different ways, and, and and like you said, as far as Ethan being the dude, I I absolutely lost it. I don't know if you guys did, but when Karate Man came out, because everything I said to fucking Gallows, I said what? Now talking Shopamania is the feeding ground for all. Like, right? You're gonna see all the new characters come and talk in Shopamania because he. And it for all of us, like it just made me like feel warm and fuzzy inside because I'm a storyline guy. And then I don't care where it comes from, but it's those little intricacies that you guys as wrestlers, because you have so much time on your hands, it's all these little inside jokes for yourselves or for the other wrestlers. When you do it for yourself, that's what gets off for everything else. Because I know that this is like the karate man is a big joke from – you know, back back in the day and from when we watched the uh, talk and shop of mania, which is the pay-per-view, that's just the brilliance of the creativity angle. Like that would never happen in WWE because it's not their it's not on their model. You, not our model. You know what though? I want to go back to something you said, Darren and in PD about impact and being a feeding ground. And I think part of it is what makes impact successful right now is the mentality of no longer do we really have to compete with WWE. We're all right with developing talent and letting them get paid, which will bring us more talent and keep the pipeline coming. And you you look back at the mentality of the wrestling business even six years ago, and that mentality wasn't there. No, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know if it's a feeding ground. Obviously, Impact would love to build their own characters keep their own characters and uh you know and build their business up but sometimes that's not always the way it is even even with their agents like i think we talked about this last show dennis like um like the agents that i'd see come in to impact over the past three years and uh they, they'd never been an agent before they never did production and i remember like the first one like dabari came in he's like what do i do and i'm like oh here let me introduce you to a truck and i did the whole thing with him um he got signed by wwe um, did the same thing with Lance Storm. Believe it or not, Lance Storm, I can't believe, okay, I learned a lot from Lance Storm. I can't believe that he's like, I never aged in it before. And I'm like, well, let me show you how this is done. Like, it was just so surreal to me. Um, even like uh, 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 Pat Buck, too, who ended up going to WWE as well. Um, I'm like, yeah, let me show you how we do the agenting around here. So um, what is the agenting, Pete? Uh, so the agenting is like pretty much uh, – um, you know, there's a wrestling match that you're assigned to, 
Okay. So we like have a production meeting and then, um, you, you, you call yourself a producer, but it's the producer itself in the truck is the one that keeps the, 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 the show going like keeping all the time and stuff like that. Even though we're producers, we're called the agent of the match. So two guys are set to wrestle. Let's just say it's like karate man and Josh Alexander. You know, there's a time on it. There's what storyline we're trying to develop, um, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm in the truck. Uh, the director who sits in front of me, he doesn't know what's coming up. Um, so I'll have to call the match to him, the one that we came up with, and make sure they get all the, the camera shots properly and stuff like that. So and you're then, the third, the third guy then? Third guy's the agent? Well, actually, the third guy's the referee. He's very important. I'm like the fourth right. guy. But we, we all get together you know, and, and go over it. And then, uh, you know, they, You're I the let liaison. them. I, yeah, well, pretty they, much. But and then I have to be the one that says like, no, we can't do that because they're doing a similar finish in a different match right before you, or no, you can't do that because of whatever you can't, or this is the things you can do. Um, all that kind of stuff. Let's see. That's the, that's the intricacy of, of which is the brilliance of, of how, what goes into it getting back to you, the impact thing though is that but the guys see here here's the difference from my perspective is back when i was growing up when you had the ecw wwe whatever like that you had two guys or you had bischoff you had bischoff and you had um vince right that they were just in this such power struggle that the guys were just pawns in the game right that didn't matter it was just pawns there's no loyalty what has happened now is that you have some sort of Scott Demore and the and the cons and like the people that realize it's changed. We need to listen to the guys more and be more involved. Obviously, with AEW, you look at the influence, the Jerichos, the Rhodes, the the Young Bucks, the EVPs, and stuff like this. So the more they have more control over what's done, and you can tell in the storylines. And, and even an impact. So I think you're right, Petey, to, to go back to that. But it's, to me, that's, wow. You know, like, everybody knows that the ref, you know, is is a part of it. Everybody knows this. I never knew that there was somebody, an agent. So are there better guys that are better agents, wrestlers, calling a match than they are actually wrestling? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That happens all the time. Like, uh, and there's some guys that are phenomenal wrestlers like phenomenal, but they just don't have the, either the passion or the know-how to be an agent. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of people off the top of my head who's a better agent than wrestler, but... Petey Williams. Um, yeah, Petey Williams. Uh, but, yeah, well, I look at somebody like Sanjay Dutt, and this isn't, this isn't fair, but because Sanjay Dutt's a phenomenal wrestler, but, you know, he never made his big, like, contract money as a wrestler. Once... Um, he was with Jeff Jarrett, you know, he speaks uh, Hindi and they wanted to get their, their show over in India. Sanjay Dutt spoke the language. He was the liaison. Um, he cut the promos for Jeff Jarrett. So he, Jeff was like, Oh wow, this, this guy's good. And then that's why he started making him uh, a writer for the show and producer and all that kind of stuff. And then Sanjay Dutt was pretty much running impact when I came in, in 2017, when I came back. Uh, then he left for WWE, obviously, in whatever year it was, 1819. Him and Abyss. Um, yep, him and Abyss. Uh, and then um, and Abyss was an agent, too. And he's another guy. Like, he's a great agent. Like, awesome. And he's great in the ring, too. So he's able to to, to translate that across uh, 
across. But like Sanjay Dutt, he ended up striving more as an agent. Like he's in WWE because of his uh, agenting talent, his production talent, his writing talent, not his wrestling talent. I love it. Say, Dennis is saying there's something else I can do. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to agent a match. (laughs) Well, you have to understand. You have to. It's if you don't understand wrestling, usually agents are former wrestlers. If you don't understand wrestling, no, I, I I totally, I totally get it. But what would be cool to me is to watch from behind the agent as they call the match to the direct. Like, you know what I mean? Like the end to see. It's not even like that. Like maybe in WWE it is. Uh, where they, I'm calling every single move. Like it's different. WWE, um, they have a lot more cameras uh, that they have to deal with a lot more, uh, just just shots and stuff like that. Uh, and on Impact, at least when I was doing it for the longest time, we had four cameras. I think we got up to like five or six after a while, but it was only pretty much four cameras calling the shot. Um, and I don't call every single like the director understands wrestling. He's been shooting wrestling. He knows wrestling. He knows when guys are in the ring, uh, kind of what they're going to do next, right? right? It's something that's off the wall where I'm like, hey, you know, telling a story or what storyline, like, hey, as soon as he hits his clothesline, zoom in on his face, you know, like it, it's oh, stuff okay. like that. It, like, yeah. So there's certain parts that the director, he can shoot it all day long, but to get the story across, that's where the agent really comes into play, relaying the message to him. Mm. That's a, that, that's a phenomenal point right because those are the moments when you see you know the reactions and and stuff like this and and this leads me to a question to you pd too so so you know which camera you're supposed to be playing to so something goes wrong or if you take a bad bump or something and something really hurts or you got you need a moment or something so you like that's why you see guys either where they get hurt where they're really hurt or whatever like that you know what I mean? They, 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 it's, they fade away from the camera. So it doesn't look as bad. Does that make sense? Is that the idea here? Or is there, yeah. Like so as a, how's it I'll work? I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, like I could talk to the ref in, in the ring, you know, they wear the earpiece. So I could talk to them, um, but they can't talk back. So that kind of sucks. Quarterback. But uh, if somebody gets hurt legit, you know, and say we're live and we got to keep going, uh, I'll tell the, um, I'll tell the ref, I'm like, you know, it's like, is he really hurt? Or I'll say, hey, tell the guy that's not hurt. Hey, tell him to play to the crowd so that we could get the camera focused on him as we get the uh, injured wrestler uh, tended to. So um, that, that's the magic of the ref and relaying the messages. Uh, and we, we always have the ability to not shoot something. Like I have, I have yelled like, okay, I'm not giving away any secret, but everybody knows when you – Bleed in wrestling, for the most part, it's called gigging. You cut yourself with a razor blade, okay? I'm not – this is oh, magic. That's John, John, Cena, John Cena spoiled it for everybody. In okay. case all you have to do is watch the one match when he drops in the middle of the ring. Yeah. So, And that's the thing. So um, I remember – oh, man, this was really bad. We, we had just got a new director because I believe our one director, uh, he, he just got uh, signed with AEW. And we got a new director, you know, uh, he, he was, he's good. He, he does a lot of UFC stuff and um, he, he's actually considered a technical director, a TD, but um, he never shot wrestling before. So, and, in, and in, in UFC and hockey and all sports, you're catching the action right there. It's not like, Hey, pan away from this and wrestling. Sometimes you have to, you know, bury the secrets in there. So 
there was this one shot where I, I can't remember who it was like John Morrison or Johnny impact uh, hit uh, Brian cage and Brian cage was like about to cut himself. That was the spot. And then he gets hit. And then the guy, the camera shoots it, which is fine. But the director has to not shoot that camera. He has to go to a different camera and I'm yelling at him like, all right, he's blading right now. Don't shoot Brian. And I'm like, switch the camera to any camera. Don't shoot Brian. He's like, hold on, hold on. But it was his first time doing it. And I'm like, you're, you're totally catching him. Like, so a director is very important. Like, I mean, you have all these cameras in front of you and you have to know like, okay, we can't shoot this right now. Okay. Uh, ready camera two and take. Okay. Um, okay. Is he done blading yet? Uh, Petey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. We could zoom back to number. Okay. Ready five, take five. Okay. Uh, now he's bleeding. So, I mean, that's the tricks of the trade. So, uh, <laughs> um, there is good directors or bad directors. There's good agents. There's bad agents. There's good wrestlers. There's bad wrestlers. Um, that's like everywhere. Okay. Nice. That's awesome. Let's, let's move on. I want to talk about MJF and his tweets. He's getting a little bit of heat from the wrestling community. As we watched the Brody Lee tribute show, we saw that he took a cane over the head from Brody Lee Jr., which was a great spot. And in, I think, the best tweet of the year because it goes along with his character. And we as wrestling fans, we want, we want to go back, I think, to the old days of kayfabe but we don't want to pay the price of seeing a, a bad guy be a bad guy 24-7. He puts out a tweet that says, fuck that kid. That was his tweet. Everybody's like, too soon. What are you talking about? It's his dad's tribute show. I think right there was the best heel move of 2020. I mean, come on. And and he's taking a lot of heat over that tweet. Here, Here's my opinion first, right? Where you have where you have the new age and, and to me, in order for him to do that, he's conscious enough that he, he was blessed to do that. Right. I, I, I believe that he, it's not like he just threw it out. It was like, you know, the character development. It's the same thing as when you saw Eddie Kingston's tribute, where he went off character and he told that story where you see, okay, Eddie, God, that's why I love Eddie because he's, you know, restless youth. He's friggin', you know, like over the years, but he's the real guy, right? So MJF playing the real character, I think you nailed it, Dennis. This is the old school bringing it back. It and it and you know what? If this was WWE, like you said, he's getting some heat over it, but he's not. He's getting too soon heat, right? Like he's not getting heat. Like if this was a WWE move, because of the nurturing of the tribute. Like that's the way a tribute show is supposed to be done. The way AEW did that. And the way that they embrace the kid and the kid's under contract, like he's in the family. So you know what? If anybody could say, fuck that kid, it's somebody in the family who is also a fellow employee because kids signed. And then, you know, you see him, uh, the new year's Eve party taking on uh Brody Lee jr. Fight Adam Cole the NXT chat, like, like that to me, that's all family love and that's all nurturing. And that's all part of building. Watch, this is a 10 year, 12 year character build with MJF that if the kid develops into, or whatever else, you can always go back to it because there's some truth to it. So I, I, I think that, like you said, it's, 
it's like when he ripped his helmet off, like I ripped his face mask off, MJF ripped bro, little Brody Lee, then he took the candlestick and whacked him on the head. And, you know, the way he sold it right there tells me everything I needed to know. Exactly. Like if you analyze the exact spot, rips off the mask, and then he gets hit with a kendo stick. And let's 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 be honest here. The kendo stick, it was a weak hit, okay? But he's he's a kid. You know, it was like an eight I mean, year old hit. Yeah. Right. I mean he's a kid, right? But it's it's the rep it's what it means, right? The fans popped, the internet popped, the people watching at home were like, Yeah, that's awesome, you know. And the way he sold it, he sold it like he got hit with like a like a bullet. Oh. So Bro, that's dude, perfect. It, it was- so for him to come back and tweet F that kid, I mean, that's he, he can't say, oh, uh, you know, that's what he's got to do. That's his character. MJF, uh, not to give it away, but in real life, super nice dude, right? But yeah. when he's any fans, any fan interaction, even if he's doing autograph signings and stuff, he's a heel. Even when I was a heel in, in Impact as Team Canada, people come up to him and be like, oh, dude, I love the Canadian Destroyer. And I'm a heel. I'm supposed to be like, oh, I, I don't care about you. No, I'd be like, oh, thanks, man. You know, and I was the real person. You know, MJF doesn't do that. That's what's missing in wrestling, and that's what he's given us. So, yeah, F that kid. That was the perfect tweet. It, you're right about that. If you go through and see some of his fan interactions, it's amazing because he he plays that part, and I think that's what people want. If I'm going to be – like, if we ever got MJF on the podcast, I wouldn't want him to be the real person. I would want him mm-hmm. to come on and roast each and every one of us and maybe mm-hmm. even just leave the podcast in the middle of the interview because that would be what I want out of my heel. Well, you know what he's doing now? He's uh, doing reviews of podcasts. Do you hear about this, Dennis? No. <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. Yeah. So go, go go on his Twitter page. I saw him uh, uh, tweet something like, hey, I'm going to start uh, doing a weekly uh, review of wrestling podcasts, like one per week. And he's like, next week I'm going to be, you know, do-. and then he'll give them bad reviews. Like he'll, he'll get like a, like a insert or like in you know, excerpts from the show and say this. And then he'll, <laughs> it's funny because these podcasts are rating pretty much wrestlers and their work. So he's, <laughs> so he's, uh, that's my dog. Um, he believes it too. I would and hope that have- was your dog. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't me. Um, so he's Is he's Rick rating in your living room the podcast like so he's it's just it's hilarious yeah. if you look I at love it. it oh dude that, that that's the brilliance and 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 that's the one that it, that it's like he gives you the the more you see guys like that the more you suck the greater then you know oh he loves us you know what I mean if he if he tells you you're good oh, he just dogged you like he's opposite <laughs> right like he's he yeah. set this up so good, and and you know that that's why I you know I I'm a huge fan because I get it. And that's so young, he gets it. He gets the psychology and the interaction, and he and and he believes it when he does it, and and it's the reaction that he gets. I can't wait because I can't wait. Some of these some of these guys that are just fucking ruined their debt, like they just give a shit, but it just. That's the brilliance of it, right? That's that's the, that that's what you love about wrestling is the whole the whole story, and then yeah, and I mean, then oh, that's fucking brilliant. He's but, doing it right. But on a deeper note, if if people ever say you can never go back to kayfabe, I think they're wrong. 
our generation may not, but we can always set it up for, for, for our kids and their kids. And I think MJF is showing that right now is, you know what? It takes work and it takes a dedication. But if you want to rehab this wrestling business back to where it was in the 90s before the curtain call, this is how you do it. Yeah, no, though MJF is the only wrestler right now that I could think of off the top of my head that is actually using Twitter uh, like a wrestler should use Twitter. He's getting heat on it. He's not like saying all this nice stuff or buy my merch or anything like that. Like he's using it to get heat. That's what we have to do in this day and age. I mean, there was no social media back in like the Ric Flair days and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now like heels shouldn't be going on there and, and breaking character. I mean, they could, if they want, like who am I to know? But if you really want to get heat, MJF never breaks character on social media. Never. So, and that's the way I think, and that's why he's doing so good because every other wrestler will do it. There's like two camps. There, there really is. There's the wrestlers who think they can be uh, Ethan Page, one of those guys that think I am not Ethan Page, the character. I am Julian playing Ethan Page, and then you have MJF, who is MJF being MJF. It's kind of an interesting dynamic within the wrestling business where you have the two different mentalities. Yeah, I mean, right, I could go on Twitter and be like, hey, uh, and start being a heel or a baby. Well, I can use that for that, but um, it does take a lot of effort and time, and I usually you know, put more of my effort into uh, podcasting. You know, the podcast, I guess. Yeah, podcasting, okay. yeah. Here's the thing, guys. It's it's what you're looking to do, right? So so as, and I, and I remember Dax Harwood, you know, saying this in an interview one time. He goes, if I text from Dax Harwood's account, better not take anything fucking serious. That's my guy. You know what I mean? Like I get the two, I get in today's day and age. If you want to be Braun Strowman, you want to be Adam Shearer, you know, you want to be the two different Adam Copeland. You want to be edged like two different people off of that account. You know, some guys can't do it, but the effectiveness of the believability of combining the old school and why MJF will be around for a long time. He's the greatest heel since the rock. Right. You know, I mean, like his development, like getting there, he has that ability because because of the storylines and where it could take it. And because what you said, Petey, is that that's and and I think, right, it's it's the heels, you know, the baby faces, they do the baby face stuff. Right. You know, you know that that's always it. They but the heels should be the heels like Baron Corbin, who's also a phenomenal real heel to me. Right. He could he could do it the same way. There's certain guys that can do it, but there's certain guys that, you know, are going to be like the Ethan Page. I, I get both of it because for me, in my mentality, I got to be two different people. I got to be Darren, and then I got to be Dmac. There's two different people, so I get it. I don't think MJF is getting the respect he deserves as far as what he's doing with this character in wrestling. In all honesty. Uh, I've never met the guy. I know PDU have. I think I talked to him through DMs a couple times trying to get him on our podcast before he really got into the MJF character. But I really think he can single-handedly change the way fans look at the industry. And like I said, maybe not us who have who lived through the 90s and the 80s, who saw the curtain call, and then there's a reality error, error and all that stuff. But, but more of the 
he's going to slowly change it back a little bit where heels can be heels. I think there'll be a pushback with other wrestlers who don't want to do that, who like uh, being themselves on Twitter. But I think ultimately in 10 years, you'll see more heels doing this because of him. Yeah, I mean, as long as they do it the right way. The My only problem with MJF is that he's, uh, I don't want to call it too cute, but since he's so smart and witty, and stuff it makes people hate him but it also makes people laugh it's like when you watch uh those roasts right. on comedy central like if if you say dennis if you say something to mjf and then he responds back and totally roasts you it might hurt your feelings but to everybody else looking it was like <laughs> that's that was hilarious i right? disagree so i disagree with you <laughs> but i'm not i'm just saying like for most people it's like how dare you say that about me whatever but mm. other people are laughing at it um, I think that nope, nope. I don't I just, know. If, I don't here, know if he's the perfect heel, but he's the perfect heel for what we need right now. Here's the thing: I think he is a bully heel. Where when a bully does something to somebody, like a roast or a wedgie, everybody around that guy laughs, and it mm-hmm. still makes him the bad guy. Drop, yeah. you poor guy. And, you had bad friends growing up, Dennis. <laughs> thanks, but but that's 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 the kind of hill I view MJF as where. If he does something and people are laughing, he's still a heel in a bully way. Right, yeah. Wow. It's but here's the thing, right? On the one if we're talking to AEW, you have two different ways because you have heel the heel extreme with MJF, and then you have the babyface extreme with like Orange Cassidy, who doesn't say shit, right? You know what I'm saying? And the, and it's the same. So there's different ways to do it. Um, but here's the thing, Petey. Or like Dennis, the thing is, is that so Baron Corbin, right? Who's a real heel? Eh, I don't really like. Yeah, he could talk and and but not the promo. But when MJF gets the mic, I'm more interested, and he can wrestle. But I'm more interested in what rips and jabs he's gonna say, just because of what pot he's gonna stir or what angle is gonna come out of it and something. And and the thing is with him, you're always thinking, what's his angle? Because what's his self-centered angle with it? Yes, Christopher. Yes, Christopher. You know, like, what? where is his that? Because there's always something that you're not – the shoe's always going to fall with him, right? There's always something, and that's what a great heel. It always keeps you guessing. Pete? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, if you look at – just to compare the two heels, um, MJF, right? You want to listen to what he says. Baron Corbin, you're like, I don't want to hear this guy talk. I – hate him. So, I mean, that's, 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 that's some pretty good heat, right? So any baby face that he goes against, they're, they're automatically cheering that baby face. The problem with MJF is if he goes against a weak baby face, it's not super over. They're going to be cheering MJF. Just like, you know, I I take it back to like the rock when the rock was a heel. If he wasn't like facing a strong baby face, uh, people would start cheering him, but that's okay because the rock ended up being one of the most over baby faces when he turned baby face. Same thing's going to happen with MJF. Once he does his heel run and people hate him and stuff like that, he's going to have a phenomenal run as a babyface. Yeah. Do you, That's all he's setting it up for. Do you think he does that turn? Uh, eventually, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think, think – I, I think it's going to happen organically. It's not like, hey, uh, we're going to – you know, today you're going to, um, you know, save the babyface in the ring, do a run. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to be gradual. And where people just start cheering him and cheering him and cheering him. And then it's just like, okay, we forced our hand. He's going to be a baby face now. 
That's it's going to happen organically like that. It's not going to be part of a storyline. They could do it part of a storyline, but they're just going to let him run his baby or his heel persona in that course until it's he just organically turns into a baby face. See, Petey, isn't he like Ric Flair? He's got a flairism in him that way where he can go because he can just turn back and forth. And if he did turn, like you saying, if it, everything with MJF makes sense, it's organic, it's not forced, it's like like it has to happen. Ric Flair, I mean, like he turns on God, you know what I mean? Like throughout his career, it can go good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, you know, to the end. Like that's why I think if you get to talk is the intricacy of his character development, MJF's character development of what he's taken from different guys. And cause I can see it. And then, and he's taking it from a lot of the old school guys. But I see my opinion. I see more of a Mr. Perfect in him. where if you think he's a good guy, remember when Mr. Perfect joined, what was it? The four horsemen for the time. And then he turned on Ric Flair at the end. That's kind of where I see him as a, uh, I don't know, outside in the Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning persona, I don't know if he was ever a face character, but we all loved him. We all looked back on that Mr. Perfect character, and that's kind of how I view MJF. Uh, that's a good analogy. Um, I remember Mr. Perfect uh, being a baby face back in, uh, I don't think they wanted to turn him. I think, like, I don't know, uh, somebody quit the company, like Ultimate Warrior or something like that, and he had to, like, turn on flair to go with macho man and stuff like that. So they gave him a baby face run and it was very successful. Um, MJF is, I would say more like that. I don't, I don't think he could flip back and forth like a Ric Flair just because I don't know. I haven't really seen him play a baby face character. So I don't know if he's gonna, if he has that connection. Uh, Cause he can't just start making fun of everybody and all that kind of stuff. And then, have people have sympathy for him as a baby face. Ric Flair can do that. Ric Flair could tell a story that makes you cry and want to get on his side, or he could tell a story uh, the next day to make you want to like, just go and strangle him. I don't know if MJF has that, uh, but you know, time will tell. All right. Let's... Didn't, didn't you, didn't you see like, here, here's the one thing is like, I always, it's still like when going back to MJ, like when, and we know, um, what was it, uh, Ortiz's grandfather or whatever, you know, you know, when they did that little bit, cause it had to happen. And so even though like, cause MJF's grandfather, Stu Hart or whatever, and, and then Ortiz's grandpa just passed away and then they had that moment. Right. And, and it's still, I was, uh, the, the part of me was still thinking, what's the angle MJF's playing here. And it really wasn't, it was sort of being true. You know what I'm saying? Where it, I agree with you, Pete. Maybe Rick, maybe he's more Kurt Henning, but I think that his ability in years to come to be able to work the crowd the way he wants because he already got him in the palm of his hand, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, let's wrap this podcast up with a little year-end awards. I was searching through the internet. I found CBS Sports did a year-end wrestling award for 2020. I want to go through and talk about them. And, and spoiler alert, it's very WWE heavy for these winners. And I agree with some, but not with others. But let's go through. They gave the Wrestler of the Year to Drew McIntyre. I'm kind of looking back and off the top of my head. And I I can see, I think he deserves it only because he had got a bum rap as a champion during COVID. 
and didn't really get that pop. The, the, the turn from heel to face to champion, he carried that belt all through COVID. And, and I think he did it very, uh, very successful. I, I, I think it would have been so much more if he did it with fans, but unfortunately he got tasked with this, this undaunting task of doing it. I, maybe you give it to him. I'm trying to think of anybody else because I think I wouldn't give it to Kenny Omega. He came on too late. I think anybody in the elite, they've all had pretty good wrestling years, but nothing like Drew McIntyre. Uh, maybe Moxley, maybe Jericho, but I, I, I don't know if I can disagree with, with McIntyre. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can agree with that. They started his push uh, at the Royal Rumble January 2020. And they ran with it uh, until the end of the year, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to give it to him. Uh, you could look at Roman Reigns, too. But I think Roman Reigns came in halfway through the year. He came back a little bit after WrestleMania. Um, and his character, I mean, look what he's doing now. N nobody's talking trash about Roman like they did for years prior. They're now everybody's saying, like, oh, this is the perfect character from And Dennis, years ago. What did I tell you? I said, this was going to come around. He's going to be the best heel. Uh, everybody's going to love him. And and they, they do now. So uh, it, it could be Roman. Um, you're right about the Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega came on too late. I think 2021 is going to be his year. Because um, I think 2019 was, was Kenny's year as well. Uh, then you got... Uh, uh, who else? I mean, that's... Yeah, you could go with Moxley, but... Um, you know, I... I, I I wouldn't put it on Moxley. So I mean, I yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I could agree with Drew. But Roman, Roman set out how many months because of the cancer. Yeah, and that's COVID. the only thing. Yeah, I he had a I, very strong last half of the year, but uh, you know, he wasn't even around the first half. Yeah, I'm. I, I have to hold that against him. I I get why he yeah. did it, but if we're talking wrestler of the year, I want my wrestler to be there the whole year. Well, I think that you brought up a great point, right? Whether you like McIntyre or you don't, I love Drew McIntyre just because I think I'm Scottish and I can relate and I love the persona, the character and stuff like that. But, the, you know, to be able to carry it through and do an at, such a uh, – I thought he did a great job with no crowd. You know, it's, it's sort of like one of those years where it's sort of asterisks. But, you know, to me – to me and I – and and – like was wrestlers of the year, male and female, because I think the wrestler of the year looking back at the whole body of work is Bailey, you know, like, like just as far as like what looking back and, and I pin it on her more than Sasha Banks, even though the two of them, it's a one, a, and you know, one and one a, um, but the storyline and in the women's division in the WWE and just, I, Looking back at the full picture, and I do, I didn't even think about that till this till we started talking about this months ago, and I started watching and started to see it, and wow, like she's become one of my favorite wrestlers because of the character and the whole character. So, but she's also got more time doing it. But you know, McIntyre is fine with me out of, out of yeah. anybody that you said because of the whole year. Honorable mention too. We could always go with Randy Orton. He did hold the belt for a little bit. He had that match of the year with, uh, with edge. Um, he is burning people alive, uh, all this stuff. So you can, that's, yeah. that, that could be a very close second. I would say is, is, is Randy Orton. Uh, I don't know if I can give it to Orton. 
And, you know, I think we did a podcast, DMAC, where I called Bailey the MVP of COVID because Mm -hmm. I felt like at that time she single-handedly carried the WWE, and and you agreed with me back then. But I can't – boy, that's a tough one. I think I could go either Bailey or McIntyre. I agree with them. Match of the year is Walter versus Dragunov, which we watched as a group a few weeks ago. Once again, that's a great match. Dude, I'll tell you this. The NXT takeover, the the what of the last one, the four with McAfee and stuff. <laughs> that was as, for me. I mean that like that had everything. You know what I'm saying? Like as far as the, I, I that was my first. We you know first uh, was a takeover, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? Yeah, that was, a, and I was a huge fan. You know what I'm saying? Like I I, I thought like that Pete Dunn, he's unbelievable. You know, like all of the, the O'Reilly and all these you know NXT guys, like that's that to me that that stands out in my head just as I was blown away. And maybe it was just because of the first experience, and I love the way they held them in the cages and stuff. But I I like the way that those sort of come together a little bit more. Yeah, I mean NXT uh, is uh, anything. I don't want to call NXT the minor leagues or whatever, but you know, those guys, they haven't made it to the main roster yet, or some of them have, and then went back to NXT, but uh, you know, those guys are hungry. Those guys are hungry for their shot. They're not giving up. Um, those guys, uh, phenomenal athletes, phenomenal workers. Um, the the Walter match is a match of the year. Sure. If you're into that um, hard hitting and, uh, you know, just dramatic and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I said it before when uh, like a few years ago on the podcast, and I don't mean this as a knock on the UK. When I first started going over to the UK, when I was um, just starting out with impact, it, it, the UK scene wasn't good. I was doing some uh, local shows there and all that kind of stuff. And not, not a lot of talented work. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like that. When I went back, uh, in like 2000, uh, I don't know, 13, 14, I think it was 14, man, the work rate of these UK guys, it, it, it totally turned around. It, they have some of the best wrestlers, best workers, uh, in that country now. Um, so for them to have NXT UK, uh, that that's probably going to be like the best brand because those workers are, they just really like, they pulled a 180 and they're. They're, they're doing phenomenal now, so I have to give credit where, where credit's due. All right. Uh, event of the year, they called it the Royal Rumble for WWE. I disagree. I think it what was was the Royal Rumble the last WWE yeah. event with fans? Uh, I believe so. It might have been whatever was in February. They might have had. Because um, uh, that WrestleMania got canceled. Yeah. Uh, or but February pay per view, I think. I don't. I don't even remember. But yeah, WrestleMania or Royal Rumble was the last big one, and, um, and that was yeah. a that, and that was a good card. I mean, you had the return of Edge that kind of came out of nowhere. For me, I don't know if I could give it to him. I I might have gone NXT Takeover War Games or In Your House, something like that. I think those two were phenomenal pay per views. Uh, you know what? Thinking outside the box, maybe talking shop of mania. I, I could give it oh. to you. I would talk to shop of mania <laughs> one. I would give that as pay-per-view of the year. Anybody with me on that one? I think so. 
I love, dude. I I think I enjoyed two better. <laughs> you enjoyed two better? I, dude, they're both great. <laughs> I don't oh, no, that, seriously, both are great. Like, the first one I liked so much because it was like so unexpected. Like I didn't know what yeah. to expect. I don't know if uh, whenever you have something uh, that that hits that good, you want the sequel. You want number two to be just as good. So I think the expectations were just set way too high. Still great pay per view, but my expectations were set like really high like i was expecting them to like reinvent the wheel or something rather than carry on with the same jokes but um i'm watching three and i know i'll love three i'm i want to try to get on three how about that yeah (laughs) we all do we're all (laughs) All the whole whole crew the podcast crew come on back and shop mania part three that's right that's it let's hey we know people that do that so um it's But I, I so we're I, and plus it changed the industry. Talking shop and mania kind of changed the way pay per views the industry. You have these three guys self funding a pay per view themselves. You you got to give that kind of respect to somebody. Yeah, and I mean it's it, it is for a small audience. Um, Very you niche. Know, you, you need to you need to get it. Uh, I, I think. Me personally, I think talking shop and mania, you get it more if you're one of the boys because there's a lot of the inside jokes. If you're an insider in wrestling, uh, you get those jokes. Um, and then some, you know, smart fans on the internet, they get those jokes too. Don't know if they'll like it because, to be honest, there's no good wrestling on talking shop and mania. It's like a <laughs> hour and a half. Or, or, Was there any wrestling? It's an hour and a- yeah, yeah, the, the the boner yard match and the ball <laughs> for a ball match. Like you know, there there was wrestling matches. Um, but you know they even say it. They're like, "Hey, hey, uh, Flying Brian, why are you doing that stuff? Don't don't hurt your don't hurt yourself on this type of show." Yeah. Of, no. So, all the inside jokes there. Um, I think it's more for the boys. If people outside of wrestling get it and they're laughing at it, awesome. Um, I think it has its place in wrestling, and I think they should keep doing it. All right. It's cultish. It's cultish. Yeah. For sure. Very. Uh, tag team of the year: Sasha Banks and Bailey. I agree. I mean, I, 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 there's a ton of great tag teams that really have made their mark out there. Private party guys like that. But I think all through the whole year, DMAC, you and I have, have both agreed. Sasha and Bailey saved wrestling with what they were doing. Yeah, but WWE. still, you know what? I'm going to give it to the street profits. I, I'm going to give it the way that they carried that stick and bring whatever. And plus, dude, I, Montez Ford's frog splash is must see TV every time he does it. I don't care. It's it's that move. It's, you know, like back in the day, Eddie Guerrero, Jimmy Snooker, like guys that can get that high. And then he's incorporated the little RVD finish to it. So it, it, the impact and the bang. And I, I just, the whole, their gimmick, I didn't think that they get the push that they did, but they sort of got, the new day push, but they can go by themselves. Those two guys can entertain even like their little speeches before they walk into the ring and the solo cups and stuff like that. I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, they got flash and bang, you know, that's what they remind me of flash and bang and not as pretty as the new day, but sort of real. I don't know. That's just me. So like that, you know, I, I'm giving it to them because they've held and because of their reign. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I like that Darren with the the street profits, and then uh, Bailey and Sasha. Uh, I agree. You look at uh, Bailey and Sasha; they're both uh, accomplished singles wrestlers. 
um, that formed a tag team. So that has a lot of star power behind that. That's like, you know, the mega powers, Hogan and like uh, Macho Man getting together. Uh, you know, they are that of the the the, the women's division. Um, so I could see that. However, I like to put in an honorable mention to my guys, the North, you know, yeah. both, neither of them before Impact, neither of them are singles wrestlers, like established singles wrestlers. They are a tag team. And to have so much like steam and popularity and everything behind them as a tag team, they really broke out in, in 2020. And, you know, think about what we start off this podcast with talking about Ethan page, you know, oh, is he going somewhere? Is he doing that? The karate man, all that kind of stuff. Josh Alexander, you know, next Kurt angle kind of deal. Um, so those guys as a tag team, you know, they're almost like people always see them as two individual stars uh, in the making. All right. Best moment of the year. They marked Edge makes a shocking return at the Royal Rumble. <sighs> I I have to chew on that because that was an amazing moment. But I think there were other great moments and maybe some of them happened. I don't know when this uh, was written. I know. I think it was yeah. written within the last week. Maybe, maybe Kenny Omega showing up on Impact Wrestling, uh, lighting the fiend on fire in the middle of the ring was a good shocking moment. Uh, man, Sting. Sting coming back. I, I think there were so many. Uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna go with a tearjerker here. How about the first time fans were let back into a wrestling event, AEW show? I mean, that's a, those are all good. Those are all really good. Uh, obviously very WWE heavy, uh, article from CBS there. Uh, go, so guys. yeah, they're going to say edge, but they are definitely going to say edge. That was the, probably the biggest shocker in, uh, WWE, um, lighting the fiend on fire. I mean, that, that's, that's cool. Uh, that, I guess that was shocking too. Like, because you've never seen that in wrestling before an actual murder. Well, in WWE anyways, um, can't kill, but, fiend, uh, though. Yeah, I can't kill. Um, I don't know. That's that's a. I you know what for me, really like one. it just popped into my head was uh, WrestleMania. Kevin Owens jumping off the friggin' top. I thought about that too. On, you know, like like that was just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and to yeah. know from here's interviews that they're supposed to be done at uh, Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bucks play, and they got the pirate ship, and he was looking. How is he going to jump off that thing? But I mean. That was a few. You tell me, Petey, because gravity doesn't lie, does it? No. Uh, and and Kevin, I mean, you know, I know Kevin. He's he's pretty crazy. He'll do whatever. Um, no, I mean that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, but no, I, I think this Impact AEW merge, Kenny Omega going to Impact, uh, leaving AEW, saying the name's Impact on air. That's uh, that that's probably. I would say the most shocking because fans have been waiting for this. Uh, uh, people underneath WWE to kind of all merge together to make a super promotion. And that's what we're, that's what it's kind of the start of right now. I mean, I don't know what their deal is. I don't know how long they're doing this for or whatever the case may be. If impact's going to be the Rumors. feeder system for AEW, I don't know, but I think that's Rumor. probably one of the most shocking ones of the year. Rumor is Tony Khan's going to buy impact. And then they're now they're working on not I don't know I didn't hear anything about buying New Japan but the guy who is running New Japan who is sour is out so you know the conversation and and they should feed each other 
You know, it's, it's, it's you, it's put the product out and let the people decide, you know what I'm saying? Vince's dictatorship and Vince's health. And, and I think too, as it changes over to triple H or whatever, you'll get WWE, get more of a NXT feel, which is more of a impact AW. You know, I hear you talking to me wrestlers. Like we can have a conversation like NXT. It feels like, Oh, well, they listen to them, you know, WWE, it's just script, 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 script. And, and, and the thing when you hear too, is that, you know, they're very famous about just scrapping stuff last minute. Right. Just so, you know, like as a performer or as an athlete, you know, you tell me it's seven o'clock puck drop. I got to get prepared. And then you change that shit on me and tell me it's five o'clock. I'm not ready. Mental, you know what I mean? I'll go do it, but it's just like you're not in that space. It's got to be the but, same for you guys. No, I, I, no, it is, but you have to be prepared for that. I mean, right at the beginning of my career, and I just talked about this in the last podcast, uh, I, I wasn't supposed to have a match live on pay-per-view for my first match, but uh, one of the people got hurt. I had 20 minutes to prepare for a three-way match, and that's the wrestling business. You have to be ready to, if they say, hey, we need you up now, you have to be able to go up and perform now like that's mentally you're not ready but it's either sink or swim and it's like you, you just gotta you gotta perform that's what we do as a performer all right i want to awesome. skip i want to skip past because they did some of the worst stuff here i don't really want to oh. talk about the worst uh but i do want to go to comeback wrestler of the year they gave it to mvp i 100 percent agree yeah um well has he been wrestling or he, has he been yeah he's been wrestling Okay, I thought he I thought he started off wrestling, but I thought he was pretty much the mouthpiece of their group. A little bit of both. Uh, am, I, am I wrong in that? Okay, but yeah, I, no, so, no, but he'll get it. He'll still battle. But now that they've added, um, now now with Cedric Alexander and stuff like that, he hasn't wrestled as much. But he'll still get in there. Like he's the, he's not picking fights. He's not Taz with them. Okay. You know what I mean? Like like it, no that MVP and and I think that the I was gonna say comeback is the hurt business you know what they've been able to do and how believable and and all their promos and just that to me they seem like a real faction you know like it should be getting the push they should and and who's responsible for that because we've seen all the rest of them around but you know it's mvp's leadership so if that's comeback you know, I, I really like that. And I know, I know, Dimitri's not here, but um, I think that that'll probably be his vote too. All right. Yeah. I, yeah no, I, I would agree. Like, and you look at the the, the group, like Bobby and Sheldon and and uh, and Cedric. Like those guys were just kind of, you know, like whatever mid Carters. Like you know, Bobby Lashley was up there, but the other guys were just kind of like just doing nothing with the storyline. So I love seeing it where they get a group together. Um, and then there's a storyline involved in it. It reminds me of the Attitude Era when they had like the Los Bericos and like uh, the DOA and the Truth Commission, a, b- a bunch of like mid carters, but they, yeah. they put them together in a group and it gives them more meaning like, oh, this is what this group represents. And I love that kind of stuff. And that's how you kind of reinvent people. The same thing happened with the New Day. When they first started, it was three like, you know, Kofi Kingston was like a just a floundering mid carter. All those guys were. And then they put them together. They get over and look at them now. The most over group, like probably yeah. not ever, but like the super over last ten years, right? Yeah. Oh, smack talker of the year, Eddie Kingston. 
Yeah, he could he could talk. Um, I agree with that. There was this one. Um, he, he's a good talker. I remember we hired him with Impact when we were doing the uh, <clears throat> OGs. The, OGs. He was with the old LAX, and then Conan was with the you know Santana Ortiz, the the new LAX, and they hired Kingston to be the mouthpiece for that, and he did great. I remember one time um, we gave him like a big long promo out in the ring, and uh, <laughs> I remember we knew what his like wrap up line was, and man, they were going way short. We're like, oh Eddie, you better talk, man. You got like four minutes left in this promo, and he didn't do it. Uh, but we were trying to give him hand signals because that's what the floor manager does, give hand signals like of like, hey, you got four minutes left. And he cut it short. We had, I remember we had to like uh, – it, it was a mess. But Eddie could Did talk. you send them back um, out there? Definitely. What? No, no, they didn't send them back out there. Um, but we, we just had to add some extra stuff to the show or whatever. Like we had to prolong their entrance and exit. Like, okay, keep the cameras rolling. We can still burn some time here, like another 30 seconds, 45 seconds as the commentators like – you know, pitch up and timing is it's, it's tough because especially when you're going over a crossover, uh, the one hour slot, you don't want to go to commercial, like right before nine o'clock, you want to go to commercial, you want to be in the ring at nine. You don't want you want to go to commercial, uh, after sometime after nine, when people are already not switching the channels, but, um, yeah, Eddie could talk, man. He, he's got it down. And, um, yeah, he, I would say that that's correct. in that assumption right there. I disagree with this next one, and I don't know who I would replace it with, but I disagree. Rookie of the year, Eddie Kingston. No, dude, he's been wrestling as long as I have. He's yeah. been wrestling for twenty years. He was he's been on he was on impact for what all almost yeah. all of 2019, 2018? Yeah. I mean, I remember when they gave me actually I didn't get rookie of the year, but I was not I was I was second to Monty Brown. They they said me and Monty uh he was rookie of the year, I was runner up, and I think like John, John Morrison was like up third or something, but that was like 2004 and I've already been wrestling for four years. So they, I know they look at it like, okay, that's the, when people started hearing of you. So maybe that's what they're thinking. Like, Oh, now nationally, everybody's starting to hear Eddie Kingston. Um, no, that that's, that's, that's wrong. He's I been around it. for 20 years. I think I have my rookie of the year. Okay. Who's that? Pat McAfee. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's do that one. That's good. I mean, he came out of nowhere and we were shocked, but um, yeah, I mean, he was a very lot of people impressive. that we hear of. Yeah. A lot of people that we hear of, they legit have been wrestling for years and years prior than you before they came to TV. So it's really yeah. hard to put who a rookie of the year actually is. That's oops. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. That's actually, uh, my, my thing is usually Petey. Hey, who's this guy? And he's like, and these guys laugh and go, he's been wrestling for 10 years, bro. And I'd be like, I'll go yeah. look at it and go, Oh, this, Oh, his name his, you know, different, you know, who is, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that, that's the one thing with dark, you know, and NXT is that the, the newer talent or the younger talent, the, the next, the big break or whatever like this, you know, like how long has Jungle Boy been wrestling? Like, you know, guys like, 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 I don't know, but he's stuff. been around for years. That's what I'm saying. You know, like the Sammy Guevara's too. You know what I mean? Like that's Sammy Guevara. I wrestled in like 2000 and like, I don't know, 13, something like right. that in Pittsburgh. Like he's been around for years too. Yeah. So that's the, uh, like, what is a true, I, I wonder what is a true, you know, is this like, uh, you know, uh, hockey back Breakout in the day? Breakout star of the year, maybe? 
yeah, breakout star of the year. Yeah, that would probably yeah, Pat be McAfee's the... probably the only true rookie of the of the year. Like he gets it by default. I would say. All right, listen. Let's wrap this podcast up. We're gonna okay. save some for later. Uh, we still have a ton of stuff to talk about. I know later this week we have our interview with Kurt Angle coming up. And I'm sure that uh, we're going to get the gang together at one point this week, a little bit later. Not sure what night. So, uh, listen, if this is the first time listening, Wrestling Perspective, go find it anywhere you get your podcasts. It used to be Wrestling With Sports, and it went to Wrestling With. We brought PD back. PD and I used to do Wrestling Perspective back in the day. It was one of the most popular podcasts. I mean, so popular, we had two wrestlers fired because of us, Pete. Uh, <laughs> I don't like to, um, you know, <laughs> advertise that because I don't want you to think like, Hey, if you come on our show, you're going to get fired. They it wanted was just the to. circumstance. They wanted it, to. It was just that I think they did. We didn't know that. We didn't know they wanted to be fired. Um, I think one was an accident. One was on purpose. You were used boys. They used you as a media tool to get yeah. their self-serving message out. You were a vessel of information now we are going to be a vessel of information and opinion and pd's matters dennis's doesn't mind depends what we're talking about but that's the way what we're going to get here but we're going to bring it to you and and you know probably most of the time you're going to listen to jason and i ask pd questions so that's what that's what it was and i'll probably like uh you know uh, deflect the questions and then Talk about something else. <laughs> there you go. That's why you're hey, but that's why you're a professional, sir. You're yeah. all you just said, always prepared to perform. Pete, mm-hmm. where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at IPD Williams. Um, I think that's all I got right. I'm on Instagram as well. I barely go on there. I'm gonna start taking pictures. 2021 is gonna be a good year. I'm really excited about it. D Mac. Uh Twitter, Darren McCarty four. Use that one. Just said, remind everybody how many cups I got for. Um, and uh, any blue check marks, Instagram, Facebook, uh, got the team working on that. And uh, yeah, Darren McCarty brand too. Get educated, get medicated. In, instead of Becky two belts, we've got uh, Darren four cups. So, Darren four cups. Absolutely. Darren. Absolutely. You know what? And once they put this, those one... in the Hockey Hall of Fame, they can't take Can we them call out. it uh... – one Darren, four cups. Get it? No? Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Dennis wears a gill. Oh, boy. All right, guys. 